coming up on Sleep, Eat, Perform, Repeat. There's so many miracles that happened that day. You know, my, my brother pulled me out of the water. The shark came back for the second time and, and bit into my left leg. My femoral artery went into spasm and, and stopped the bleeding. Uh, I should have been out in the water, but I should have been bitten and, and, and killed in the water uh, or drowned. Delighted to have you on board today for our guest, Caleb Swanepoel. Caleb has an amazing story and delivers excellent insights, so stay tuned to hear more of that. For today's episode, we want to promote We The 15. It's sport's biggest ever human rights movement to end discrimination. It's aiming to transform the lives of the world's 1.2 billion persons with disabilities, who represent 15% of the global population. It's a fantastic movement. You can find that at weed15.org. It's something we try to do with our work with Hawara, build a more inclusive world. So please do support it, and we can try and push this movement on together. Welcome to Sleep, Eat, Perform, Repeat with your hosts, David Clancy and Kieran Dunn. This is a podcast about high performance. What we are striving to achieve is to figure out what makes high-performing individuals tick, why they do what they do, and why they are successful. Enjoy a journey of stories, lessons, and learnings. Today we spoke with Caleb Swanepoel, shark attack survivor, athlete, and motivational speaker. Caleb is a father, an inspiration, and a resilient human being, living in Cape Town, South Africa. In June 2015, his right leg was amputated above the knee after he was attacked by a great white shark while body surfing in Buffalo Bay, South Africa. Since the shark attack, he's gone back into the water many times, excelling at elite levels in surfing and swimming. He won his division in the International Surfing Association Adaptive Surfing Championships. Today we talk about what his son has taught him. What did it change internally being a dad? Seeing something that's a part of you, connected to you, and fresh perspectives. We speak about his mom running a school and her driving force and love for teaching. No doubt a huge influence on the performing arts and drama studies now a part of Caleb's life. We unpack living in the moment, be that swimming and training, trauma, fear of failure, connection and overcoming. Caleb talks to us about our capability as humans, what he does when angered and frustrated, and an attitude focusing on that there's not such a thing as bad weather, just bad gear. Control what you can control. A lived experience of differently abled. What a chat. Caleb, thanks very much for coming on the show today. Really looking forward to unpacking your story, learning so much from you. How are you? Hey, David. Yeah, hello from sort of sunny South Africa, Cape Town. It's a privilege to be here. And honestly, yeah, I've and this is a, a special time for me because, you know, these conversations are unique. It's a learning curve for me. I get to connect with someone all the way across the world. Um, where are you at the moment? Yeah, we're in, we're in Dublin, Dublin, Ireland. Dublin, the, Dublin the Ireland. Em, the Emerald Isle. <laughs> yeah. Have you got some proper 12 with you over there? He <laughs> <laughs> sounds Irish. I thought he was South African. Just yeah, give me so an accent just, and I'll, I'll put it on for you guys. It's fine. There you go. Just from an educational point of view, geography here. I, I'm from Limerick, the nicest part of Ireland. Kieran okay. beside me, he's from Dublin, the part that isn't as nice. Hundred percent. Thanks for the thanks for the little update. Good to I know. I will remain quiet on that point. <laughs> <laughs> what well, What have you been doing last couple of weeks? So I've been all over the place. Actually, uh, I've got a, a son. I'm a dad. So I was visiting my family in KZN, which is a province in South Africa. And spending a little bit of time with my mom, who runs a school in a semi-arid area called um, the, the, the Karoo, uh, a little town called Prince Albert. So just catching up with some family and getting some, some quality time. And I've just started a new role in sales in 
in Cape Town. So just adjusting to that, getting back into routines. Yeah, so lots of lots of new learning and lots of growth. When did you become a dad? In 2019. How's it going? <laughs> it feels ages ago. <laughs> I paused it. <laughs> um, yeah, my son's two and a half years now. Uh, his name is Siander. And um, yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's, been, it's been an amazing journey and yeah, very, very lucky to be a dad. What did it change internally when you, like, I'm a, I'm a dad of two and close to heart. What did it do for you when you became a dad? I think, I think it's an ongoing thing, but I think it's just, uh, it's, it's quite amazing seeing something that's, that's a part of you and something that's, that's connected to you and that will always be connected to you. And I think it's, it forces you to look at things from a different perspective. It's not just you now, it's you and there's definitely other people that will be looking up to you that need support, um, not just financial, but but you know um, that, that you know you're a dad. You you you're someone that's that's going to be guiding someone uh, hopefully. So I think just a different level of responsibility and um, uh, you know a, a privilege to to grow into that, I guess. And I've got lots to learn. I'm a young dad, and um, by no means am I perfect. What has he What has he taught you already? Yo, I think just slow down to speed up. Um, whenever I'm with him, it's it's always so special. I think he, you know, the, the, the smallest things, the, the, the littlest things, if, if that's incorrect English, I apologize, but the littlest things are, are so special. You know, just sitting on the couch and watching Peppa Pig or, or sharing sharing some steak and boars together or just um, going for a walk. We take those things for granted sometimes, just the small little moments in life and for a little boy or a little girl, it's a uh, it's it's a big adventure, and I think uh, it's, I think it's a, a beautiful way of looking at life. You know, every interaction you have, every moment you have, can be seen as as something quite special. And we get so used to going through the motions, waking up every morning, going to work, training. Um, you don't actually stop and actually think about what you're doing. And I think when you're with family, that always slows down. And I think those slowing down moments are really really special. And sticking with the theme of family, you mentioned your mother and having a school. Was that a big influence yes. on you growing up? Definitely. So my mom, my mom's definitely one of my heroes. Um, shout out to Tracy Swanepoel, <laughs> who runs Albert <laughs> College. She started homeschooling us from, I was in grade five, and she had five kids. And we were all at the kitchen table, and she bought these education packs that came in the mail. And we sat down and we started we started homeschooling and I remember I was so excited to, to get my, um, my education pack in the mail because it came with a magnifying glass and stickers and all kinds of fun things. Uh, you know, let, let's leave the actual learning material out of it. Just the, the little goodies that came on top were the best <laughs> to look out for, but definitely an unbelievable experience. We didn't have all the, all the sporting facilities that some of these big schools have, but we, we learned how to be self-disciplined and we learned how to, you know, um, enjoy the little things. And, you know, she, she, she instilled this um, acronym in us and all the kids she still teaches, which is I-A-D-O-Y, you know, it, it all depends on you. And uh, I think that's something that's really stuck with me. I do forget to implement it sometimes, but she definitely taught us and is still teaching us to really take control of our own lives. And the story of the school is quite amazing because it's, it grew from a little homeschool to family and friends joining to eventually you know, the education government here saying to her, look, you, you need to register the school. And she registered a Cambridge facility and we're doing all the way up to A-level exams now. So it's been quite amazing to see how 
she she started this project and it's a full non-profit organization so it's it's really amazing what do you feel is our driving force behind starting that and obviously impacting so many i think just her love for teaching she has done everything from you know doing the friday trail run with us with rusks and tea and a two kilometer run on the copy <laughs> to teaching us drama i mean i started acting that was the first degree i did and she she was the one who taught me taught me about drama and storytelling and connecting with people and her just ability to i think you know give to other people uh, a, a teaching takes a lot of energy out of you uh, it's exhausting it's tough She's probably busy marking papers right now while I'm speaking to you. So she has it. So she always has her, her prep work on a Friday, so she can enjoy her Saturday. But um, I think just her ability to see the need and to to teach other people and to really make something out of nothing. I mean, when when she started Albert College, she she had a little Karoo cottage with um, you know ten to fifteen kids, and um, it just grew from there. And people just hopped on board because of who she is, and and she just simplifies things. And Caleb, like what you said right at the start, we're the same. Like the, the ability for us to connect here through the time we're going through across oceans. But now we're talking about emotional intelligence, understanding people. When we come out of this COVID, reconnecting with human beings kind of face to face and rekindling relationships that, you know, even the way people interact is, has been tested a lot. What yes. do you think? What do you think it's going to look like? How can we ensure we, we, we find those relationships and we build the connection back more? Because it's something I feel a few of us don't want to lose that. I think that's a very interesting question. I experienced something very similar to, to what you're talking about yesterday. I was part of this small upskilling course called the Touch Up, which is um, powered by the Lurie's, which is it's an African advertising agency award and it's a small group of people that are in marketing and the creative industry that that launched this little platform to help 15 creatives um, get access to a networking um, platform and we were all assigned mentors and I was one of two mentees and we've been doing video calls online and chatting and connecting and you feel like you get to know people you know you feel like you you, you form friendships online and for the first time we linked up yesterday, me and this other mentee called Jonte, and it was surreal. It was unbelievable seeing someone that I feel like I know so well for the first time. Yeah, I think, you know, to your question, I think it's it's going to feel a bit overwhelming when, when when all these things start kind of colliding and we start connecting again and, and, and seeing people in person. You know, the, there is something quite unique about being able to connect through through a screen. I think it's it's a skill we've all kind of had to take on and learn and mold in our own way. But I, I do think that um, for us to find a new value in connecting again and for us to not forget, for actually for us to remember what it was like during COVID when it, when, when it does pass, what it was like to not be connected um, face-to-face. And I suppose to, again, slow down um, and really appreciate seeing people in person you know, physical touch, being able to hug someone, being able to say hello, being able to sit across from someone and have a coffee. You know, I wish we were having a coffee together because, um, you know, or a cup of tea. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I think, um, yeah, I think just to slow down and really just value being able to connect one-on-one again. It's a huge piece and it's something we try to incorporate in our work is presentness and being in the moment. What do you do when you're experiencing something like mind-wandering and your brain's almost been hijacked by forward thinking, by past reminiscing. 
do you have any strategies in order to focus on the now and be in the moment again? I'm not always very good at it. I think what what does help me stay present is an activity that fully consumes me. So, for example, if it's swimming or if it's training, I think those things are are really good because what you often have to do is you have to be present in order to do that form of exercise correctly. Yes, you can go for a run and put your music in, but if you are in a pool, if you're doing you know um, weight training and, and you really have to focus on your movement and you have to be very precise, you kind of have to be fully present in order to to really get the most out of it. So I think finding activities that really force you to you know, not think about anything else. And if you do think about anything else, you'll feel it in, in the exercise. You'll feel it in that moment. And then also just just removing things in your life. So removing distractions. Um, we we have a thing called load shedding in South Africa, which um, if any Africans ever listen to this, uh, you know, it's something that really, uh, it's a very irritating thing. When our power goes out and we have various windows throughout the day where we have no power. But sometimes that's uh, uh, an interesting space to be in because there's less distractions. You know, the TV isn't on, your phone doesn't have Wi-Fi. So you kind of start looking towards your bookcase where you've got five to 10 books piled up that you haven't read. So um, I think every situation is different. Everyone's everyone's moments of stillness or, or, or getting rid of that distraction is going to be different. But there's definitely times throughout the day, little moments throughout the day where you can enhance that moment of, of focus. For me, it's training um load shedding as an example and and sometimes those moments remind you to do more of that thing i don't know if that makes any sense so when you're fully present you you, you almost say to yourself wow this is i haven't felt this in a while you know i need to do more of this and yeah i think it's i'm probably waffling a bit much here but i think it's about also being kind to yourself you know we we so hard on ourselves to get everything right to to be perfect and it, that can be so exhausting in itself you know, so sometimes just taking on one new thing, if you want to start knitting, if you want to start exercising, just start with a walk. Start with something very small, focus on one thing. And I feel like you'll, you'll find a lot of presence in, in doing that. And that's an amazing message. And um, we'd love to just pivot to your studies, Caleb, and the blend of theater, dance and performance. We've had ballerinas from, you know, Monte Carlo on this. We've had other sort of artists. Yes. So much creativity and innovation in that space. What, what, what is it like and kind of what are you enjoying about that part of your, of your journey so far? Yeah, so that's been, that's been very interesting. I mean, I grew up in a very small town, like I mentioned, and my first interaction with sort of creativity and the arts and things was um, storytelling at our local little festival. And my, my mom really forced us to adapt. We had, you know, a, a little wooden stage, which was essentially two wooden blocks and you know, two curtain hooks and a curtain. And we had to prepare our costumes behind that at halftime, or I'm saying halftime like it's a rugby match, but at interval, we would hand out cupcakes that um, we baked at home. And um, I think, yeah, that was where I first really found a, a love and a passion for being able to be someone different, to be able to express myself. And that extended to, to studying an acting degree. And for me, that was a complete release in terms of, I don't know, having fun, I guess, and being able to be yourself. I think the creative arts and the creative industry really is itself. It's all about self-expression. And I think studying a degree like that helps you kind of look at yourself and look at your, your flaws and look at your humanness and start accepting it. You know, I think it's a, it's a, it's a lifelong journey 
you know, to to accept yourself and to to, to love yourself. But definitely for me, it was as, as a moment of just, I can be myself here. You know, I'm an amputee and um, I have to adapt. And yeah, it was really a, also a healing space for me to really process things and to find a release and an outlet for any emotion I was feeling. Were you always inclined to think like that and to have that mindset or was it the the shark attack that sort of sparked that emotion, that reflective personality and also that desire to live in the present? I think I think my shark attacks definitely enhanced it. It's it's brought, you know, positive and negative things into my life. Um obviously physically there's a bit of a challenge now, or there's a lot of a challenge at times. Uh the other day my my charger for my leg broke. So for half a day or a day I was kind of tin manning around with locked out prosthetic leg. But I think before before my shark attack as well, I was always curious about self-development and and learning different things. And I remember developing my own workouts, you know, uh, pushing myself in trail running and um, also having fun. So I think, yeah, I think my shark attack definitely enhanced those things. And and for me, it's it's a journey. I, I feel like I've just started and I've got so much to learn. Uh, I sometimes feel like my head's a bit too big for my body and I'm a bit overconfident. But um, yeah, I think, yeah, my shark attack definitely changed the way I see disability. It definitely brought disability in, into the foreground for me and a, a little bit of a lived experience of what it's like to be, be differently abled and there's a huge community out there you know 1.2 billion people suffer from some or deal with or have a challenge some kind of physical challenge or mental challenge and yeah i'm part of that group now and it's it's honestly it's great to connect with people that have interesting stories and i can learn from as well yeah, like the we the fifteen percent killer. We talked off air about that. Um, yes, it's close, amazing. Close to close to home for uh, for me as well. And just want to understand that, like, it, it can't always be easy for for you. Like each each and every day, like you're explaining that 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 what happened yesterday, right? It just happened. But when someone's gone through the trauma that you did, like that episode, um, it was yes. not like you were born this way what has what what did it really what did it really change what have you really learned about it never mind the physical challenge oh i just think uh, we're very capable as humans um we're both capable and incapable one of the things that we take a lot for granted and we take our bodies for granted in a, in a big way in our ability we need to challenge ourselves we need to acknowledge okay cool I've, this is what i've been given this is how i move in the world and what can i do with that and sometimes you know, it's very frustrating when I feel like I can do all these things, and physically, it's it's a bit tough, and physically, I'm 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 stopped in certain areas, and it's about finding a new way to adapt and and finding a new way to to think about things, and yeah, I think it also makes you appreciate being able to live, being alive. It doesn't feel real always. That that's something I've gone through. That you know, surviving a shark attack is not something you hear every day, and even for me, if I really sit and think about it, it's quite amazing that I'm still alive. There's so many miracles that happened that day. You know, my, my brother pulled me out of the water. The shark came back for the second time and, and bit into my left leg. My femoral artery went into spasm and, and stopped the bleeding. Uh, I should have been out in the water. I should have been bitten twice. Well, I was bitten twice, but I should have been bitten and, and, and killed in the water uh, or drowned um, if we had a look at the statistics. But obviously, there's a, a energy, a force up there that uh, was like, no, that's not going to happen today. And I think, yeah, I think it's good to stop and reflect and really just be grateful to have breath in my body and to have another day to live. That isn't always how I feel. You know, I'm human. 
we 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 all human. So it's we we selfish as well, and we we focus on the little things very often. You know, ah, I've got a stain on my shirt, or you know, you 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 let my running shoes and you didn't put them back. Small little things get in the way, and I think even this conversation, it's a really beautiful moment to stop and reflect, and to just be grateful for the day. Was that your first time swimming there, or were you, was that something you'd done before? So Buffalo Bay, it's an area very close to Neisner, if anyone knows South African area, but it's a popular beach destination, popular surfing destination. It was our first time actually going to this beach. It was recommended by a friend, but very close to where we often go on beach holidays. And, you know, we had a beach house that whole week before my shark attack. I was doing runs and workouts outside. I was swimming every day where I actually was attacked. We had surfers literally surfing you know, at the exact spot where the shark was. So the conditions were were perfect for being in the water, you know, and that morning of, of my shark attack, there were surfers out. We went in just after the surfers came out. And it just, yeah, it was just my time, I guess. Was there ever, when something like this happens, you know, you, you hadn't done anything to put yourself really in that situation. And sometimes it can feel like it was unnecessary evil. Have you ever felt, or straight after, did you ever feel anger towards anything, maybe the world, about why this event had happened to you? There's definitely anger and frustration. It's not towards sharks. It's not towards the world necessarily. It's just more when I feel very capable or I feel like I want to do something or achieve something and physically it's a bit of a challenge or, or it's just not the right time, that's when I get frustrated. I want to play touch rugby on the beach with the guys, but I can't run um, if I don't have a running blade. You know, so it's it's in those moments that it becomes, yes, definitely frustrating. And I get a bit pissed off because I know that this is something I would do, you know. But then again, that moment passes and there's other things that I can do. Uh, and I think it's also good to acknowledge that frustration, to, to feel angry and to feel, you know, frustrated about the fact that, oh, man, this is, this is a bummer, you know, I would have loved to do that. And then that moment passes. And it's also good to talk about it, to acknowledge it, and to get it out there. If you bottle up these kinds of things, it just becomes, you get stuck in your own head. So, um, yeah, you, you have to find a release, but there's definitely moments of, of anger and frustration. Yeah, like you, you kind of hear, like, it was uncontrollable. You, you probably mm. couldn't have done anything about it. And we often talk mm. about on the show kind of, control what you can control and like that's really all you can worry about right like yeah what other life lessons would you be able to maybe give to us from that experience that we can take like we're we might talk about overcoming fear and things like that shortly but what other lessons can you distill to us i don't know if i'm much of a, a teacher but um there, there's, there's something there's, from your mom i'm sure <laughs> oh yeah 100 percent. i think the first thing is if there's something that you really love doing or that's in the back of your mind that you've mulled over, that you've, you know, you've kind of put off, just start it. F find someone to, to hold you accountable, whether it's putting in a diary or getting someone to wake you up at five in the morning. If you want to start a cookbook, like just put down the first recipe, like put on your LinkedIn that you're starting a cookbook and, and actually actualize it. Just start. I think starting is the hardest thing. It's something I struggle with a lot. If you don't start, you're not going to learn, you know, and a failing is something that I, I not struggle with, but it's no one likes to fail, but through failure, that's how, that's how you learn. You know, I, I started surfing only after my shark attack and I started on a nine foot board with my walking prosthetic and I eventually made, 
it, it became possible for me to go and represent South Africa with a very rudimentary prosthetic, but I was able to, you know, go in the water and stand up on a surfboard. And, you know, I, I had a fail to, to get there and I'm still failing on my surfboard, but um, I'm learning a lot through the process. I think the other thing is learning to make friends with it. It's something my granddad taught all of us, all of his grandkids and sort of adopted grandkids. Basically, the whole town was part of his grand grandchildren collection. He taught all of us just to make friends with it. If you are, if it's rainy and it's cold and it's wet, it's North Face or, or Patagonia. Hopefully, I don't screw this up, but they said, you know, there's no such thing as, as bad weather. There's just bad gear. And that's the same thing. If your attitude is, is in the right place, then, then the circumstances outside of your control they don't really matter because you're focusing on what you can control. And then the last thing I think is just is one day at a time. I'm someone that likes to think in the future. Um, how's this going to look? How's that going to look? I want to do this. I want to do that. You have to also just look at your day and go, you know what? I've been given today. I don't know what tomorrow is going to look like. On the 26th of June, I didn't know that the next day my life would change forever. And then I'd, I'd wake up as an amputee, you know, that evening. So I think just take it one day at a time. And if you're going through something right now, if things are tough, it's, it's important to just slow down and to be kind to yourself. So, yeah, it might sound like airy-fairy things, but sometimes those things actually have meaning and they do have an anchor. So, yeah, I think that's what I what I believe. And I'm also on a learning journey. You know, I, I had a conversation with someone this morning and about routine and, and getting back into routine and adjusting to new things. And it's also lovely to be honest and to to share with someone. If you're someone that that struggles with, getting going with things, sit down, have a coffee with someone and say, look, this is what's in my head. This is what's happening. Maybe you don't have all the answers, but I just want you to know this is how I'm feeling. And there's someone there that can listen. So yeah, that would be my advice. And hopefully I learn a few lessons in the next day, year, month, um, minutes. Yeah. Always learn and love that message. If we were to look back in the immediate aftermath, maybe after the surgical amputation, me and David have worked with amputees and done rehab. And so we've been a very small part of the journey. So we we got exposure to the challenges mentally that yes. appear. And, but there's also an exposure to an unbelievable community that's yes. out there that has overcome these challenges and continues to thrive. Did you have any one influence when you were going through that rehab period or the first adjustment period following the amputation? Amputees reached out to me. I would say it was a, it's a collection of people, but I had a lot of a few shark attack survivors that, you know, a lot of them said, just get back into the water. And that was the first thing, you know, don't let that thing define you. Don't let the water, don't let the shark define you. And the second thing, go back into the sea as soon as you can and familiarize yourself with that space again. And also you're a survivor, you're not a victim. You know, some articles will say shark attack victim, which is just the completely wrong wording, you know. So you know, don't be a victim to your circumstances, be a survivor. And I think that's a mindset shift that I'm trying to really, really just dig into and understand. And then, like you said, the community of people that are differently abled, it's unbelievable. There's a lot of learning that happens because we all kind of have our own toolbox of, of, adapt, of adaption that we share. You know, I, I have a small little following on Instagram and I try and, you know, now and then show the videos of what I do and, um, I connect with amputees and, and people with disabilities on there. And I think even going to, to the parasurfing events and, and swimming events that I've been to, you learn a lot from different people, not just from the tools they use, but from their stories. And um, you also realize, look, I'm not alone in this, in this journey. Um, it's almost like being in a race with, with a whole lot of other runners. You know, everyone's got different tackies on or sneakers, whatever word you want to use. And everyone's got different gear, but you all need to get to the finish line. 
So I think it's it's quite special to be part of that community, and it's I think it's also a responsibility to contribute to that community and share what you know, what you have, and and add your voice. Just like you mentioned, you know, we the fifteen is is a, is a movement that's happening, and I think that's it shows you the the power of 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 the collective and what we can do as a team. Caleb, we'd love to just dig into a little bit about you know being comfortable with the uncomfortable. Can't imagine what it must have been like going through and overcoming fear, anxiety, going back into the water. Like people often say when you approach risk that, you know, you get a dopamine hit and it's a flow trigger and that focus brings you into a a space of peak performance. But for Mm -hmm. people listening that are going through fearful times or times of overwhelm, anxiety, uphill challenge, what advice would you give to them? Like you went back into the water, excelled. Mm -hmm. How did you manage that? So the first thing I think just to really acknowledge is that, you know, I wouldn't be here without the support that I've had. I wouldn't have gone back in without the support that I had. I've got a very supportive family and a very supportive friend group that almost didn't let me feel sorry for myself and let me sit down and be a victim. So it was almost like I didn't have time to think. I just went back. And by just doing that, your brain almost is a bit slow and doesn't actually realize, whoa, whoa. This is not a safe space, you know, just put, put put yourself out there. If you don't give your, if you act faster than your brain, which I know like physically or genetically probably isn't <laughs> factual, but before you let your, your thinking brain, you know, that other voice in your head start talking to you, act, act on it. And yeah, getting back into the sea was, it was, it felt like a, a normal day. It was weird hopping into the water. I, I went in with my brother who, who pulled me out of the water and hopping into the water felt so weird. So I wasn't running in like I usually do, but I think it was, I didn't have weeks and weeks and weeks to sit and go when I go swimming again, you know, and I, and I'm, I have times when I'm out in the water where I feel very scared and there's times that I've paddled in and I've, uh, and that's it. I'm human, you know, but I think act before your thinking brain starts telling you that you're doing the wrong thing and you, and you're capable. Like people need to know that they're capable. We, we don't have enough confidence in ourselves. People are capable. We're very lucky to have gotten so many messages already in the in the chat we've had half an hour. We're definitely learning loads. Just looking forward, what's on the horizon? You mentioned performing arts. I've read somewhere that you're interested in the Shakespeare circuit in London. What's on the yes. horizon for Caleb? Yo, it feels like there's there's so many things in my head. I think if I had to focus now and, and look at what I've got on my plate right now, it's it's definitely focusing on my professional career. So growing my connections. Um, learning business skills as well. I'm very interested in sort of the business space and developing myself as a speaker and being able to also be part of a team. You know, I'm, you know, learning to to be able to contribute my skills and and to also know that okay, cool, I can have value and and um, help grow something. So that's 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 one angle. I'm really enjoying CrossFit at the moment. Uh, it's it's I'm supplementing it with my with my swimming and my surfing. So you know, the, the CrossFit it was the first year that we've had the um, adaptive CrossFit games, and uh, hopefully they open up more divisions and they they allow more athletes in. So that might be something that uh, starts to actualize. Um, hopefully, in the next four to eight years, we see para surfing in the Olympics or the Paralympics. It's already in the Olympics, so that's something that I'll definitely set my sights on to try qualify for for para surfing when it's when it does come around in, in the Paralympics. And I'd love to start a podcast. That's something that's. Um, been on on my mind for a very long time so yeah hopefully i can get some tips from you guys but um 
yeah, those are the things right now. And also spending time with my family and uh, being a great dad and brother, sibling. I think those are those things as well, to not forget about the small things. For the podcast, we'll definitely show you all the things not to do at the start anyway. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but you got you got you got to fail forward. You got to fail forward. So yeah, we got that. Yeah, I appreciate a bit of a head start. Fail forward a lot. Um, <laughs> still, still failing, still learning. Caleb, one, my last one, and then I kick it back to Kieran. You mentioned family there towards the end. After all those other things, we're we're just looking forward to seeing what happens with all that. Right, we we're backing you. Um, Thank you. Your, your son growing up. What are you hoping to? What are you hoping to teach him? What what do you? What kind of son do you want him to become? What do you want him to learn from his dad as he gets a little bit older and starts to run and kick a ball and surf and jump into the water? you hopefully to have a little bit of patience with me because I'm going to have to really make sure that I'm fit to to keep up with him. He's really a busy guy. But just to to you know um, to to stay humble, to stay hungry, to stay curious, to to learn to when to implement discipline, um, and just to you know I don't know see the need I guess see the need. Uh, all these things I still have to do. Um, so you know through saying it to someone else, you you also saying it to yourself, and just to enjoy you know enjoy the little things to make friends with it to enjoy going on a hike to enjoy having a cup of tea with someone um like the things you you enjoy when you're a baby but you you often forget them so just to yeah i suppose appreciate the the moments appreciate the days and have fun i think having fun is is super important and that's uh, kind of how the surfing all started when when i started surfing my surfing coach who she just won the South African um, Masters Surfing Championship in South Africa, uh, Tasha Mintasti. And she, she said, like, look, surfing, we're going to use it. It's fun before anything else. Um, so to have fun with things as well. That's excellent. You're definitely looking in CrossFit Games competitive shape at the moment anyway. So we're back. Hey, I don't know about that. I'm <laughs> you don't, my dad you don't have the dad. I <laughs> don't have the dad bod. I was like, the top <laughs> off looks better than me right now. Well, if you, if, you, if, you, if you scan low, you'll see there's something missing. I don't know if it's a leg or what's happening there, but uh, if you spot it, please, please just let me know and I'll, I'll come running. Well, I'll come running. Excuse the pun. <laughs> never stopped you. Never will. <laughs> On this podcast, we have one question we ask everyone who comes on at the end, and delighted to ask you, Caleb, what does high performance mean to you? I think high performance means taking what you've been given, uh, whether it's time, whether it's ability, whether it's a gift, and just doing your best with it. It might not be competing at the highest level. It might not be getting fame and fortune, but it's taking what you've been given and really pushing the mark and doing your best with it and actually using and using it to the fullest. So, you know, if you are a Rubik's Cube genius at you know, competing a Rubik's Cube, which I'm not, and that's your thing, and you can do it in less than 30 seconds, that's high performance for me. You know, if you can be a mother of five, run a school, be an ultramarathon runner, and still, you know, have time to to listen to your son's problems. That's high performance. Um, I think it can be related to to any kind of field or any kind of space, not just sport. But yeah, it's really just doing the most of what you've got. And um, I think we we all have the ability to be high performers. Um, I don't think it's just the elite that we see on TV that that are high performers. We've got high performers that we that we interact with every single day. So yeah, that would be my my version. Caleb Swanepoel, thank you very much. Really grateful that you gave us your, you guys. Your, your time and your lessons. Look, um, 
wishing you the very best. We're looking forward to seeing what happens, what unfolds, right? You're whatever you're going after, you're going to give it your absolute you. best. So appreciate yeah. it. Let's stay in touch. Thank you. And yeah, this is hugely motivating for me. I mean, just the, to be able to have a, a the, this connection, the human connection, I think is, is amazing. I mean, you guys are all over, all, all the way on the other side of the world. And um, I've got goosebumps chatting to you guys. So, so I really appreciate it. I appreciate the support. And anyone else um, listening out there, if they want to connect with me on, on Instagram, um, just t- you know, search for Kato Swanapool and I'm open to, to saying hi and to chatting. And um, I love learning from other people and connecting. So I really, really value this time, guys. It, it really means a lot. Appreciate that. Thanks, Kato. Thank you. Thanks, guys. Cheers. Thank you for listening to today's episode of Sleep, Eat, Perform, Repeat, a story of high performance. This was brought to you by Howora, a whole person wellbeing company founded and run from Dublin, Ireland. Find out more at howoralife.com, spelt H-A-U-O-R-A life.com. Please rate, review and share the podcast. Some people want it to happen. Some wish it would happen. Others make it happen. The GOAT, Michael Jordan.